This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. Welcome to the Be Here Now Network guest podcast. This series features talks from a myriad of modern spiritual teachers expanding on how we can all live a life in balance. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash guest. I'd like to introduce working with emotions and thoughts or ways and tools through the practice to work with them can be really helpful, especially um, when we get into territories that are difficult. Conversations in our own minds, experiences in the world. to have a wise relationship to this mind, this heart. Emotions and thinking completely normal, completely human. And how to work with these very vibrant, alive, exciting, important elements being in this form. Working with um, thoughts and emotions in our practice can truly be transformative. And when we look at um, the difference between when we talk about the word wisdom, typically that means smarts, right, or intellect, got a lot of stuff going on up here. But when we're looking at it through the lens of practice, it's a broader understanding of seeing things as they are, seeing things as impermanent, seeing things as not personal, right? Who in this room has felt fear before? Who has felt sadness? Who has felt grief? Who has felt loneliness? Who has felt, you can just keep your hand up, you know, because it's, it's, these are not personal. 
seeing that, yes, sometimes things are really hard in this body, in this mind, seeing the truth of dukkha. This is the wisdom that we're pointing to. Not about figuring it out. Not if I can plan myself out of this emotion. When I leave here, I'm going to tell this person off and then it'll all be better, right? Or I'll fix, I'll quit that job or I'll move or I'll something. Our mind wants to be our best personal assistant ever and work it all out for us. But when we're here on the cushion working with emotions and the mind, the permission, the ask is to not need to do that, is to really say, wow, fear. Okay, fear. You know, for me, the big one was loneliness. Loneliness. Loneliness ran my life. It had me doing things that made my life much worse. Friendships and relationships trying to get away from that experience, the emotion, the feeling of loneliness. And then when I came to the practice and started exploring, okay, where does loneliness live? How do I know I'm lonely besides these actions that I just do? Ah, lonely. Well, emptiness right here. Heaviness in my heart. Maybe some fatigue. And then there's some fear with that, right? So this exploration, this investigation, this curiosity, what actually is loneliness? Or what you can fill in the blank, you know, for yourself. And once I started to see the qualities of that, the impetus to make it go away wasn't there because I, it was my, it was, it was fine, you know? It it felt kind of warm. It actually felt kind of beautiful. I was learning to know myself. I was learning to see myself. And so this is the quality of emotions. And then what happened for me, the transformation happened. I could trust that loneliness, which felt very scary to me, and I no longer needed to act out. So we learned to trust, experience, And then we see it pass and it might arise again and maybe it'll look different next time and have a different story with it, but it's not so personal. It's loneliness. Here it is. So just the encouragement to let yourself kind of, kind of explore, explore mindfulness of emotions and thoughts, what goes on for us. Please. What does it mean to trust loneliness? Hmm. What does it mean to trust loneliness? Is the question. So, um, thank you for asking. Good question. Less, less the trusting of the loneliness than the trusting that my system is okay experiencing it. That my system, my heart, my mind my belly, all the places that I thought lone, that I could not stay with loneliness. The trust came from going, oh, I can stay. Okay. Yeah, this is hard. I'm uncomfortable. I don't love this. I don't like it. 
but the alternative is worse. And when I say that, I just mean the behaviors that came out of the loneliness, right? Like the grasping or clinging to something else, whether it's food or people or shopping or whatever it ends up being. So the trusting is more of this system that when that particular emotion arises. Okay, thank you. So the comment is that they feel as though coming to mindfulness was like adopting a teenager. <laughs> so it's a, a being that you don't know at all, and then suddenly here they are, and, and does it get easier? <laughs> yeah, trying to figure them out. Yeah, and oftentimes, I mean, that's the tragic but true state for most people. You know, these automatons moving around the planet trying to earn money and succeed and power and, you know, sometimes just survival. Um, And oftentimes we don't know. We don't know this beingness. And like I said, we take it all personally. So the deep understanding of how this system works, I mean, physiologically, and again, this is one of the great explorations is we'll note, okay, a thought arises, right? So a thought arises, this teenager arises. And then, and then what happens? Oh, you know, I'm upset at this teenager. So the thought moves into our body. It, over, it overtakes us. And then this, this part we can't handle too much. So then it comes back into the thought. How can I figure it out? Then it comes back to ah, figuring it out makes me so anxious and worried and exhausted. And then I feel exhaustion and worry. And then that moves into another thought. I can't do this. Right? And so there's this amazing interplay. Yes, it gets easier to answer your question. But it's not because we become less human. It's not because pain and suffering goes away. That's the first noble truth. There is. There is. Old age, sickness, and death is here. Getting what we don't want and not getting what we do want is here. The part that gets easier is the understanding, like I was saying, the wisdom of, of seeing that that's, that's true. Right? So getting to know that teenager instead of, you know, sending them away, putting them in their room because the behavior is unacceptable, it's affecting me, is pulling them in and holding them close and saying, tell me about yourself. Who are you? What do you need? Right? And this is what, this is what starts to get easier. There isn't the rejection. You know, we abandon ourselves all the time. I don't like how you're behaving right now. I don't like how you look. I don't like what you're doing, what you said, you know. And like Vinny often points to, it's this project of hating yourself into loving yourself or something like that. Becoming a better person. Yeah, hating yourself into becoming a better person. So when, when I hear the word easier, what it is is it's more real. It has more flavor, you know. It's 
the difference between a stew that's been cooking for a whole day versus an instant pack of cup of noodles or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but that's what it feels like. <laughs> so there's a richness, there's an aliveness, there's an energy, there's a, yeah. I don't know if that's helpful. It's just from my experience. How do you square that understanding and forgiveness with accountability? So coming to the understanding, maybe behaviors were harmful, right, to self or others. Or in some way, you know, it's not developmentally feeding our growth. And then suddenly we see it. (laughs) We know it. And um, uh, there are these two phrases, hiri and otapa. Hiri and otapa, hiri otapa. Um, Hiri is sort of this very healthy shame. It it would be one of the translations. So healthy in the way that, oh, I've seen it. Now I can see it, right? So that's that's a good thing. That we can now see, oh, I have, I have caused harm. I have maybe been living in a way that isn't in alignment with the direction I'm going. And otpa is the experience um, in a very brushstroke way of noticing how it impacts other people. You know, so this, the internal arising of, oof, yuck. And then seeing this world that we're living in and how our actions affect that. Once we've seen it clearly, again, going back to this wisdom piece of clear seeing, then we can move forward in whatever way we need to, in whatever skillful. And sometimes, you know, one of the Ajahn Chah um, phrases is there's a suffering that leads to more suffering and there's a suffering that leads to the end of suffering. And so it's sort of like when when we're making changes, and especially if maybe there's some radical changes that we need to make in our behavior or our lifestyle or something like that, not saying it's easy. There still might be discomfort and suffering in it, but it's at, it's to the, to the point of the eradication or the liberation from that habit pattern, behavior, system, way of being. So, the forgiveness piece for me comes from, yes, there is no rearview mirror. I can't, I can't fix what's behind me. What I can do is the commitment to not doing it again. Right? And that's how I can forgive myself is by saying, wow, that super sucked. I wish I didn't do that. And then, okay, let's, let's Joanna work on not doing that again. And then forgiveness feels real because forgiveness doesn't look real if you're like, ah, I'm sorry. And then (laughs) I'm sorry. And then, right. It's kind of um, just words. So I'd like to, as clearly as possible, guide us with some ideas that might be helpful. So I'm not going to download all that up front. We'll just deliver as we go. And first doing what you've been doing 
arriving and settling, landing in this body. So again, knowing that there is a body. However you have been landing, you are invited to continue to do that, whether it's through contact points, breathing, So whatever it is that helps you land, whatever your anchor is, we might call it, your home base. Feel free to take a few moments. feeling the sensations of this body. And seeing if for right now, before we expand out, if this body is experiencing ease or pain, warmth, vibration, heat, coolness. How do we know that? What's telling us that? What's the direct experience of warmth, of coolness, of pain even? a tightness, a throb, tenderness, allowing it to be experience as experience without judging it, without trying to get rid of it, maybe even being a little curious. What is this and how do I know?
knowing this body intimately, not through the mind. but from the messages it's giving us right here. And then that's a good reference point when we're working with thoughts and emotions or chitta. Oftentimes the two are put together as chitta, heart-mind. Checking in right now to your overall, we could call it mood, your overall state. And we give it a conceptual name because that's how we operate. So maybe it's tiredness or torpor, so the tiredness of the mind. What does that experience feel like in the body? Maybe that's a heaviness in the eyes a weight in the shoulders, a dullness in the mind, whatever sleepiness or sloth or torpor is for you. Maybe your experience is overall peacefulness of the mind and the heart of the citta. How do you know? What is the direct experience of peacefulness or ease. Where in your sensory body do you experience that without it being a concept? Same with anger, or fear, or grief, or lust, or any kind of energy, mood, mind state, heart state. How do I know? How do my stories affect my sensory body? How does my sensory body affect my mind, my story? And really paying attention to the interplay, the connectedness of the systems. 
They move together. They work together. Subtly noticing the beginning of a thought and what that does to your heart or your belly or your palms or your jaw or your forehead. And seeing how curious you can be. Wow, this is how I work when I slow it down. What's next? not needing to make anything happen, but observing how this heart-mind-body system works. Just sitting here. And if you find something very difficult that arises, something that isn't quite ready to be met or seen, 
it's okay to take a break and maybe open your eyes, look around, look out the window, orient to where you are. And then maybe just put a baby toe back in and check it out if it feels okay, if it feels safe. Moving with sound, breath, body, chitta. And if it's all moving too fast, come back to your anchor. Come back to contact points, come back to the beginning. Land again.
So knowing that you, you are in charge of your practice. Take care of yourselves. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.